welcome to our NEARS broadcast. Uh, today, we're pleased to have Marty Oberman, the chairman of the Surface Transportation Board with us. And as you can imagine, there's plenty to talk about. So we have a lot to get to, and we're gonna jump right in. Marty, we appreciate you joining us today and know you have a lot of things that uh, you could share with us. Uh, I thought maybe uh, it's been an interesting year this year. And of course, last week kind of became a, a huge surge of interest. I think we captured more attention last week in the rail industry, all the national networks and everybody suddenly was interested in rail and with that, the strike that did get averted. But I just wondered if you had any comment about how that went, what happened, the, the whole thing there. Well, I have any comment, that's for sure. <laughs> uh, a couple of thoughts, Dennis, particularly based on what you were just saying. Uh, if there's any plus out of this uh, event, it is that the general public and uh, probably uh, policymakers all over the country, including on Capitol Hill, I think we're sharply reminded of how important the trade rail industry is to our country, which yeah. is why we have so many special laws and statutes dealing with freight rail as compared to other kinds of private businesses. Uh, but uh, uh, suddenly, uh, I think the public became aware that if there had been uh, a stoppage, uh, 30 to 40% of our economy, which depends on rail, could have come to a halt, not overnight, but uh, pretty soon. Um, and it would have had uh, some very, very bad impact. So those of us who are immersed in the rail industry, including all of the folks at NEARS listening to this, don't need to be reminded, but I think it is helpful for all stakeholders to be more appreciated, I think, by, uh, by those who have something to say about policy uh, you know, in, in this area. So I think that, that's not an unimportant point. Uh, you know, I have a lot of strong feelings which I've expressed about how the railroads have been operating in recent years, which I, I don't want to focus on in specific answer to this question, but I will a little bit. I think for the moment, what we, I think we all hope for is that having resolved the contract, at least subject to ratification, uh, that all parties can use this event to try to repair some of the relationships that I think have been undermined in recent years and move forward on a very positive basis. Uh, you know, there's a very important, in my view, philosophically uh, and policy-wise, that uh, quality of life of all people be preserved. I mean, that's why we're on the planet ultimately to, uh, to try to have a quality of life. And if in order to earn a living, you have to sacrifice that, that's just, not appropriate in my view. Um, so um, I think that the relationship between employer and employee is a very crucial to, uh, to that issue. And I would hope that instead of being adversaries, perhaps the railroads and labor can move forward as partners. It's asking a lot. I think there are a lot of hard feelings. I've seen work union uh, battles in the past languish for a long time, and I hope that does not happen. Um, so uh, let's leave it at that at this point. Uh, overall, and I'm sure we're gonna talk about this, 
from our particular regulatory point of view at the STB, the question is going to be, uh, will this resolution, assuming it holds and is ratified, provide the railroads with the resources they're going to need to try to bring service to where it should be? Because everybody knows the railroads in the lead that crew shortages are, are at the bottom of the service issues we've been having. Yeah, we definitely want to talk about service. That is probably the number one topic that our audience is interested in. Before we leave the, uh, the topic of labor, if you did see, the, uh, there was an article in the Wall Street Journal on Friday by Holman Jenkins talking about this whole labor uh, relationship with the railroads, the carriers, and how it's kind of an antiquated process and something from uh, the 50s, and it should be uh, modernized and changed, and it's just kind of a backwards way of doing things. Uh, if you didn't see the article, or even if you did, you may not have a comment on it, but if you did, did you, did you happen to see that? I did not see that article. I was on the move Friday, and I missed it, but now that you told me about it, I'm going to look at it promptly. Uh, but I've been involved in a number of, of discussions, and I'm not a labor relations expert in terms of the mechanics of, uh, of collective bargaining agreements in terms of being able to, to, to come up with a recommendation of how I think things can be approved. Uh, I am a, uh, have been a believer my entire adult life in the right of self-determination of, of workers. And uh, that's, uh, that's really what underlies the, the union movement. It's one I think that's crucial as a matter of principle, as a matter of freedom of choice for workers. Um, and so any kind of a system that enhances those rights, but also protects the public. You know, there are many areas of employer-employee uh, relations which have such an overwhelming public interest that there are special laws. Think of police and fire, which I'm very familiar with from my service in city government don't usually have all the same rights as other kinds of same strike rights as other kinds of workers do. I do think that the, uh, the rail network is so crucial to the national interest that having mechanisms that try to get matters resolved short of strikes are, are important concepts, but to do it in a way that's more perhaps more constructively leads to a solution without taking us to the brink as we were this time would be a good idea. Yeah, yeah, it seems like uh, we, we tend to only address the things when they become at their most critical point. Yeah. But um, speaking then about rail service being the big issue, and let me throw a few questions out here. I'm gonna just run through a bunch of questions and then step back and we can take them one at a time or you can try and just kind of talk about this overall. But these are the questions that, that I wanted to ask. One is, is rail service actually improving? Uh, the metrics that are reported can show maybe there is some progress, but are the reported metrics a true uh, measure of service progress? Uh, are there other metrics that are not being currently taken that might help uh, measure service and provide more accountability that, that should or could be considered? And shipper perception, to some degree, no matter what metrics say, 
the shipper's perception of rail service is based on, did I get my cars pulled? Did I get my cars delivered? All the grand scheme of things that the overall, how many cars are line and those types of things are pretty irrelevant to the average shipper. They just want to know, am I getting switched when I want to get switched? Am I getting my cars delivered when I want them delivered? And how do, how do we ever measure that and, and get that to work? So that's just a bunch of round questions all around the same topic that I'm interested in your comments on. Well, as, as a layperson, Dennis, I share some of those same observations. Early on in my service on the board, I remember telling one of the railroad executives who was reporting, you know, they often come in and meet with us and reporting to us on their latest metrics. And I finally butt in and I said, you know, I don't really care how fast your train is going across Nebraska. I care when the car got there when it was supposed to get there. So tell me that. Uh, they like to talk about velocity and dwell. I do think from the data we've been collecting since our hearings in April, uh, finally, some of these metrics are, I would say, inching forward for at least some of those before uh, railroads were subject to the service recovery plan orders. Uh, but uh, up until the last time I've talked to any shipper, which was in the last few days, uh, I still hear that uh, service is not good, not reliable, delayed. If, if you think about it, the metrics we get are averages, average velocity, average dwell time. So whether you look at the mean or the average or whatever kind of statistician you happen to be, roughly half the people are under that mean and average. Um, and so there's still quite a few areas of the country where shippers are still, <coughs> shippers and receivers are still suffering uh, from really inadequate service. We have a long way to go in my view. Uh, the the uh, prolonged negotiations, the embargoes that were instituted last week leading up to the potential strike deadline did not help. Uh, so we now have an extra event to recover from. So, so our scrutiny is still there and is going to continue. But you mentioned embargoes. One of the things that, that we have seen in our own business uh, recently is the it appears that that has become a tool by the railroads to adjust their rail service. They will embargo certain lanes or they'll embargo certain locations that have a, a higher density of traffic or that they're struggling to meet service with. So they just embargo it in order to help deploy their resources differently. Uh, do you have any, any, uh, and the embargoes are run through the AAR. Uh, I don't know if the surfboard gets involved in that at all. It just seems like another strategy that is, is being used that may not be what it was originally intended for. Well, that is a euphemistic way to state it. Uh, there is no, uh, we don't authorize embargoes. People don't come and ask us for an embargo. They can ask us for a discontinuance. They can ask us for an abandonment which are fairly dramatic uh, solutions. Uh, no one has in, in this context that you're, we're discussing. Um, there have been cases over the years where customers who were embargoed have brought common carrier cases to the board. And uh, the 
and I don't want to get into the merits, although those are cited cases, there have been instances where embargoes have been found to violate the common carrier obligation. Uh, but it seems to me that the concept of embargo was aimed at unexpected uh, physical disruptions of the plant. You know, a bridge washout, a forest fire, a polar vortex. You physically can't run the trains. I think it uh, was never intended that embargoes were to be a regular part of the operating manual of uh, class one railroads, which is what you're suggesting, I think, uh, that they're approaching. Um, and I think they need, we need to take a harder look at, at how embargoes have been used and perhaps misused. Interestingly enough, uh, I am not aware, uh, well, I am aware, uh, to my knowledge, no shipper has brought a case in the last year or this year based on any of these embargoes. We did have an emergency service case, which I think everybody knows about involving poultry producer in California, Foster Farms, but that wasn't based on an embargo. That was just based on we didn't get our stuff in time to feed our livestock. Um, it was, in other words, they weren't intentionally cutting them off. They were just not getting the job done, UP in that case. So I think it's something that there's very close scrutiny, uh, so the, the magnitude and frequency of these embargoes. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> we were talking about metrics and, I mean, certain metrics are reported to the surface transportation board by the carriers. They're ones that you collect, you analyze and, and gauge some things by. Uh, is there any plan to add other measures that you, do you have any ideas that there could be better ones that should be added that will be helpful? Very good question. You know, uh, last year we issued a request for information on the first mile, last mile uh, requ request that we had received from the uh, shipping world. And we got a tremendous number of comments and it is, uh, these metrics are complicated because there are an un, an, almost an infinite number of ways that rail customers receive their service. So you can't have one, one standard or one metric for everybody. Uh, so it's, it's more complicated than I would have thought, and we're still working on it. Having said that, if you read the orders we issued in May following our hearings on the service problems, we added quite a few reporting metrics that we weren't previously collecting to that order. Some of those I believe are overlapping or similar to the request we've had in the first mile, last mile um, uh, docket that's pending. Uh, so I think you can look to uh, further exploration of these ideas, refinement, perhaps some ideas that aren't now being captured it's a pending matter, so I, I couldn't comment specifically on what we might do or whether we'll do anything, but I think there is a, a sincere interest at the board on making sure that the railroads report metrics that are actually useful, both to us as regulators and more importantly to them. But I think we're making some progress. I think the, the metrics that are included in this 770 docket, that's the one based on the service issues this year, I have gone beyond what we've collected before and I think have been helpful, Helpful, but I think there's more, that, undoubtedly more to, to be explored in that area. 
Yeah, I, I would think that part of the challenge is that you alluded to this a little bit before, but the metrics can provide some general trends of how things are going, but it's hard to uh, determine more than general information from, from those kinds of metrics and uh, finding ways that are helpful that, that help to actually show improvement of service overall and they're satisfactory to shippers, show shippers something. This is what's happening that uh, can change their perception and mindset. It would be helpful. Exactly. <clears throat> uh, of course, the STB is is an agency that is is charged with some sense of uh, overseeing the regulation of the of the rail industry as well as other things. And back in the '90s, when there was a, a cry for, you know, it's only 15 years after the Staggers Act, and and uh, there was a push for continuing deregulation, so many commodities became exempt from surfboard uh, oversight and and probably more commodities right now by number are actually exempted than there are under the arm of the surface transportation board but there is now this reconsideration that is being uh, discussed at some levels that maybe it's time to start returning some co commodities back to regulation uh, and oversight by the surface surface transportation board because they're there will be there's better opportunity then to to address issues that way. Um, is are you hearing anything like that at the board? And do you have thoughts about that? Well, we still have a pending, <clears throat> excuse me, um, a pending matter on a number of uh, commodities that have requested to have their exemptions lifted. And you may remember we went through a very elaborate effort to try to come up with a system of metrics that would be a more uh, numerical way of measuring whether an exemption should be continued. And uh, apparently, it, um, as creative and interesting as it was, it apparently doesn't really do the job. So the matter is still pending. Uh, I would hope we would get to it sooner rather than later. But, uh, you know, and I hate to always sound like we're making excuses, but the events of the last two years, I think this all coincided about two minutes after I became chairman, Dennis, I've often thought there was a conspiracy out there in the railroad world to have all kinds of new matters come our way so much that I couldn't get anything else done. Uh, so, but if you consider it, uh, first I'm being facetious, but if you look at what's landed on our plate in the last two years that is not normally on our plate, you know, the, uh, uh, the major merger, even the CSX Pan Am acquisition was quite substantial compared to most of the acquisitions boards looked at in recent years. Uh, the service uh, meltdowns of, of this year the, uh, from the pen, well, related to the pandemic, I think they were happening anyway. Um, then the, uh, the labor issues, you know, and a number of other matters have just really uh, immersed the board and more importantly, our staff to come to grips with these things. So we've had to put uh, a few things on, on oh, oh, in the Gulf Coast, which I, of course, didn't mention, which occupied 11 days of hearing so far and is not over. So it really, uh, it just slows down our ability because we have to have staff deal with all these other matters. Uh, 
that have to be dealt with. Um, so I, I'm frustrated because I would have, the, the exception uh, issue has been pending for some time now and I'd like to bring it to a head. But I think your point that these exemptions need to be re-evaluated is, is a good one. In many ways, uh, not only exemptions, I have observed that the railroad industry of 2022 is hardly the same as the industry of 1980. And uh, we really need to take a hard look at what we're doing compared to what's happening, uh, in terms of what's happening now, compared to where some the motivation for a number of the laws and regulations. Well, <clears throat> certainly, uh, the last couple of years, as you said, have not been one of great ease and relaxation for the STB. There have been there has been a lot of activity, a lot of things going on, and uh, I, I do want to. Oh, take of course, we're we're not there to relax. We are there to work. Yeah. <laughs> we can't do everything that needs to be done. But right. Relaxing going on. My staff will be quick to tell you that. Good point. Uh, so I want to give a, a plenty of time here for you to give everybody, our audience, who will be very interested in any updates you can provide on all of those important cases that you are reviewing. Uh, so let's, uh, yeah, so. Maybe we can uh, sort of wrap it up a little bit. All I can give you is kind of a procedural status report. I can't give you a substantive, much substance because they're pending. Uh, as I'm sure the uh, your folks know, the uh, K, uh, KCSCP merger is proceeding apace procedurally. Uh, our environmental department is under has to undertake a complete EIS of most aspects of the route or many aspects, and just completed a, a series of in-person regional hearings all over the central part of the country. I attended all of them and other board members attended each uh, one each. And that those were very enlightening and uh, the environmental folks will have additional information. They have to complete their study under NEPA before we can act. So that will take, take us until sometime early next year. Uh, the board has three days of hearings set in Washington next uh, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, week, next week, not this week, on the merits of the transaction. And I'm sure it will be well attended and very uh, vigorously uh, argued on all sides. Uh, and then uh, there'll be final briefing. And ultimately, while we're studying the transportation merits and waiting for the environmental work to be done, we will then issue a decision sometime, I would say, late winter. Uh, that's the effort, perhaps a little bit later than that. Uh, we still have two major uh, rate relief measures pending, which I had hoped to have been uh, brought to uh, a, a conclusion by now. The uh, voluntary arbitration idea proposed by the railroads and the final offer rulemaking that we've had pending for some time I do think that will come to a conclusion in the very near future. It's in the final stages of what, what action we will take on those two matters. Um, reciprocal switching, which remains one of my highest priorities to, to also bring that to a conclusion, 
uh, has been getting an intense amount of study of people like, I wonder, we had a hearing on it last spring, what's happening? It's getting a great deal of uh, scrutiny and study and analysis by both staff and board members. And I am hoping we will have something to say about it also in the next few weeks and, and be able to move forward one way or the other. So those are probably the three biggest things that your folks are interested in. And they're all very much alive. We're trying to get those done while we're juggling everything else. Well, maybe uh, maybe to close, you could share what uh, what has been the biggest accomplishments over the last couple of years in the midst of all of this that has happened with the pandemic and all of these service issues and everything else. You've had to deal still with a lot of different things, and you've been able to get get things done in spite of all those other things. So. Uh, well, I would say, uh, Dennis, I, nobody's asked me that question before recently, but I'm tempted to say our biggest accomplishment in the last two years is that we haven't dropped the ball. <laughs> We're keeping all the balls in the air and, you know, we've issued some really significant decisions. Uh, the voting trust decision that we issued last year was, you know, based on, uh, you know, and it was an unprecedented matter uh, that we had to grapple with. Uh, the Pan Am um, acquisition was complex, and I think we issued a very uh, comprehensive and constructive decision. Uh, the, uh, uh, the, you know, the Gulf Coast hearings uh, and having a trial-like hearings is something fairly new to the board, and I think the board handled those hearings very well. They're not over. So there are a number of, and then, and then just getting all the parties in on these emergency service matters in April and issuing a service recovery plan order is something that doesn't happen very often. And I think that was a very constructive action by the board. I think things can be improved. So the three or four major undertakings and all of those involve hundreds and hundreds of hours of staff work in addition to board members time. So I, I congratulate our, our staff. I, when I say we haven't dropped the ball, it's really the staff. Um, uh, so in that sense, so, so far, so good. If in a few, talk to me in a few months when all these pending matters are done, and I'll, I'll rate which one was our best, biggest accomplishment. Yeah, we'll, we can address that for our spring conference next year in Newport, Rhode Island. We'll make sure we circle back and, and uh, talk about those things. But certainly the Surface Transportation Board plays a key role. And as we said, there's been a lot on your plate, a lot of activity, a lot of things going on. And, and uh, it's good to know there's somebody there in Washington actually getting something done because that's uh, kind of a rarity, I hate to say, <laughs> in Washington. So, uh, we're, no, we're, no longer, we're, we're no longer that sleepy little agency, huh? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, it's not only have uh, the general population wake, uh, awakened to the fact that there is a railroad industry out there, but uh, the railroad industry has woken up that there is a surface transportation port there to help. Now, as I have frequently observed, the purpose of the Staggers Act was not to preempt every other government from doing anything and then for us to do nothing. Now, that's not the design, but I sometimes think the industry thinks it was. Um, so we're here. 
And one also comment and, and see if you have a comment on this as well. The last couple of NEARS conferences, we've benefited from having someone from STB advocacy at the conference with the room and our audience likes to go in and have discussions with them. People are often not aware about the advocacy group that you have there that assists shippers in, in uh, the component parts in the industry. It's our rail customer and public assistance office is there. They work every day, all day. They really, uh, uh, on acute service issues, are often able to uh, ameliorate the situation. They can't wave a wand. And they're really a, a very important public service office, terrific people there. And I really encourage them, your members to use that office when they have issues as a first step. It's free. Hopefully, you can do it without paying a bundle to lawyers and get service matters resolved. That's really why we were there. Yeah, once the, the occasionally they the escalate up, up to me, but for the most part, the staff handles these things. Uh, the easiest way for our audience to contact? Well, now that's a good question. It's, uh, I don't have the phone number at the tip of my finger, but it's on our website, very easy to find. Real yeah. customer and public assistance, RCPA. There you go, RCPA yeah. on the STB website. Yeah. Okay, well, again, thank you, Marty. We appreciate your time, your insights and all the work you and the staff are all doing there and uh, look forward to our conference in uh, next spring when we'll gather again. Me too. All right, thank you, I much appreciate it.